Welcome to the Leadership Matters Podcast, where we talk matters of leadership because leadership really does matter. Here's your host, Jeremy Albrecht. Hey leaders, welcome to episode 52 of the Leadership Matters Podcast. My name is Jeremy and this particular episode is called Lead What You Live. Lead What You Live. The thoughts I'm about to share in this episode here today kind of a combination of some thoughts I've been thinking about recently the past little while based upon some of them are based upon some reading I've been doing some others just based upon reflections and things I've noticed in the midst of another camp season Uh, at the time of recording this episode we're in the midst of summer camp season it's been a while a couple years through this pandemic that we've been able to do summer camp ministry and so uh, it's a real joy and honor to be back involved in camps and just seeing students go after God in intense ways and so some of these were reflections just uh, out of that as a part of my current role in uh, the district office where I serve I get to oversee and direct four different ministry camps throughout the summer months during one of these camps I recently I was reminded of a truth that I learned years ago as I observed a particular situation that was unfolding around me at one of these camps. It was during one of our main sessions, and I noticed a couple, quote, leaders, unquote, identified by wearing a lanyard around their neck. That's how we identify various leaders at our camps. And so these two had those lanyards around their neck, so I knew they were considered to be leaders. Now, they were younger, not adults yet, probably teenagers, Um, But they happened to be sitting at the back, completely disengaged from what was going on in the room, immersed in their own conversation and commenting about what they were watching on their phones at the time. I actually had to tell them to quiet down at one point uh, because they were so loud it was distracting to everyone else around them. And as I sat there watching all of this unfold, I wondered to myself, why are these two leaders? Like, how did they become leaders? They don't seem to care at all about the students that they're supposed to be leading, giving leadership to, or anything going on even here in this moment. And so I just started to wonder. I wonder how these two became leaders. I wonder why they're leaders. I then immediately put my investigating skills to work and began trying to figure out where these two leaders were from. Like, who was their leader? That's what I wanted to know. And as I started to put the puzzle pieces together, I quickly scanned the room to see if I could find their leader. I had figured out who their leader was. And so I was looking for that person to see where they were and if they were noticing this. To my surprise, the picture became clearer and clearer as I spotted their leader at the back of the room, completely disengaged from what was going on in the moment, but engaged in conversation with a colleague, with a friend at the back totally oblivious to what they were up to or what was even taking place in that moment in that room at the time. And it was in this moment when the truth I had learned so many years ago quickly came back to my mind. And here it is. I want to share it with you. It's our bottom line for this particular episode. It's this. People will do what you do, not necessarily what you say. Let me say it again. People will do what you do, not necessarily what you say. And as much as these two leaders were not fulfilling their responsibilities as leaders of the students underneath them, and were not setting a great example, 
In fairness to them, they were only imitating what they saw their leader doing. I've said this for years. It's kind of been my working definition, my definition of leadership that I've come up with on my own and just I I love it. I, I like to use it over and over again. And it's really simple and it's this, that leadership is as simple as an invitation to imitation. Leadership is an invitation to imitation. And if I'm speaking to leaders, I usually follow my definition up with a question. And I'll ask leaders this, is your life worth imitating? Now, only you can answer that. As you scan and think about every area, every aspect of your life, what people see, what people don't see, uh, what's done in the public life, what's done in private, is your life worth imitating? See, leaders, you can tell your people all you want, how important it is that they do this or do that or implement this into their lives and leadership, but if you're not modeling it for them, it's just lip service. We must become more consumed and concerned with what we are modeling than what we're telling people to do. Why? Again, back to our bottom line, because people will do what you do and not necessarily what you say. Now, you might be thinking, okay, that's great, but how do we do that? How do we ensure that we're not just telling people to do something we're not doing ourselves? Well, that's a great question. And I've got a few questions, follow-up questions, to help you reflect on this a little further. But before I even get to those... I think the simplest way to ensure that you're modeling or living out what you're telling your people to do is to lead what you live. It's the very title of this podcast episode, Lead What You Live. Now, for pastors, preachers out there listening, this is basically the same mindset as preach what you live rather than trying to live what you preach. It's the same idea. Lead what you live. As leaders, we should always attempt to lead from what we are already living instead of trying to live out of what we are leading others or desiring them to do. Now, let's face it. As as leaders, one of our greatest struggles is that we've become so good at telling our people to do things that we're not doing ourselves. And let me just say, the reason this falls short over and over and over again is because there's no moral authority to that. Think about it. Our influence, your influence, and your weight that you hold as a leader becomes much greater when your beliefs and your behaviors are aligned. This is where the power is. This this is the sweet spot of leadership because this is where people will actually start following you. And that can be exciting but also scary at the same time it's when a leader's beliefs and their behaviors are aligned so before we get into some of these practical examples of this and these reflection questions that i want to ask you today let me ask you this are you leading from where you're already living or are you trying and struggling to live what you're leading people to do what you're telling them they should be doing And I'll just tell you straight up, there is much less striving and struggle involved when you start leading from where you're already living. Okay, so as promised, as you start to reflect on what you're currently modeling and demonstrating for those you are leading, I want you to think about these few questions. I have six of them, so 
just bear with me. I'm going to run through these and then I've got some supplementary questions even underneath and some comments underneath each of them to just unpack them a little further. So the first one is this that you need to ask yourself as a leader. Number one, you lead, but are you reproducing leaders and developing those around you? You lead, you believe in leadership, you you hold it in high regard, but are you reproducing leaders and developing those around you? Now, there's probably some of you listening to that and right away you're thinking, when do I have time for that? I mean, leaders are busy and I I just don't know if I have time to give to developing and, and reproducing leaders around me. Well, let me just say this. This doesn't mean that you have to be the one to do it all yourself. Maybe that's not even your gift or your strength, leadership development. Maybe you don't have the gift of leadership. But it doesn't, it doesn't take you off the hook. It doesn't reduce your responsibility to ensure that the people around you, those you're leading, that you're reproducing leaders and developing them. That is still your responsibility. Whether it's you doing it yourself But you just need to make sure it's actually happening. And if that's not your gift, if that's not your strength, your passion, then find somebody around you that it is their strength. It is their passion. And let me just say this. There are all kinds of free resources out there now. Leadership resources. There's different podcasts you can listen to and they come with reflection questions. I mean, there's this podcast you're listening to right now. You could use this with your leadership team and then... Just unpack it after, listen to an episode, and then sit there with your team. There's the Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast. He's got show notes and everything else he includes with his where you can unpack it after the fact. There's all sorts of resources out there. You could read a book together. See, it doesn't even have to be you coming up with the material. There's all sorts of material out there. You just need to ensure that this is actually happening in a priority and that you're intentional about it. Let Let me remind you of this. That growth and comfort cannot coexist. If you want those around you growing, if you want to be growing yourself, just get ready because you can't stay comfortable and continue to grow. It's just not possible. You either can be one or the other. You're either growing and it's not comfortable, even painful at times, or you're comfortable and just be okay with the fact that you're not growing if you're comfortable right now. So, Again, let me ask you this. Who are you developing right now? Who are you investing your entire life, your leadership into to one day take your spot? One day you would pass the baton on to them. And if you've never thought of that, I just want to say something without trying to sound too harsh and too critical. But you're being very selfish if you're not already thinking of who you would one day pass the baton on to for your position. That's a very selfish mindset. It's not, you, you don't have the best interest of your organization at, at, at hand and in forefront of your mind if you're not already thinking of who you could pass this on to. That should always be in the forefront of your mind. Whether that person even knows that or recognizes that or not, you should be always thinking of who could you pass this on to? Who are you building? Who are you reproducing yourself in? that could one day run this, lead this, whatever the case may be. All right, that's number one. You lead, but are you reproducing leaders and developing those around you? Number two is this. You believe people need to prioritize the presence of God, but do you practice the presence on your own? Now, again, I know I'm mainly talking to spiritual leaders, so 
If you're not a spiritual leader, then uh, you can just listen into this. Maybe it doesn't fully apply to you, but here's the deal. You ever see a, a young dating couple in love? Maybe it's a new relationship and they're just so passionate and they have no problem at all with their public displays of affection. Uh, I'm sure you've heard it said, maybe you've even said it yourself, that whatever they do in public as it relates to their PDAs or their public display of affection is only intensified in private. <laughs> and I'll just stop there. You can put that one together. Um, but here's the deal. I believe there's some truth in this that actually relates to our relationship with God. Now, you may not be the most overly demonstrative person in your in a worship gathering, in a worship setting. But I've learned that before I can experience God's presence in public, I've got to be practicing his presence in private. And well, when I I want to be very careful here. I, when I use the word practice, I don't mean practice as in it's any less important in private. But I'm using the word practice in terms of a habit or a discipline in your life. Like it's become a practice for you where you intentionally prioritize the presence of God in your private life. And here's what I found to be true in my life. Maybe this resonates with you. I found this to be true. That if it takes me a while, quote, get in, to get into it, unquote, whatever that means, like if it takes like three or four songs to get into worship, it's usually because I haven't been, quote, into it, unquote, privately for a while. Are you watching any worship gathering or worship setting? If it's taking people a while to get into it, so to speak, I know that for lack of a better term, but to get into it, to, to really be all in, to be aware of God and his presence and what he's doing in that time and space, then it's probably because it's been a while since they've been into it in their own private life. And, and here's what I want to remind you, all the leaders out there listening, especially spiritual leaders. You cannot lead publicly what you have not been learning privately. And it's interesting to me as we're in the midst of camp season and, and just being a part of different ministry settings and, and, and a lot of encounters, services, it's interesting to watch various leaders and how they lead publicly, even in, you know, just where God is just moving and, and the Spirit is at work and different things are happening in those services, in those encounters. It's interesting to watch and observe just how people lead through that. And you can usually tell if a, if a leader has been there in their own private life, they have no problem operating in that space and leading in those public settings. But if they haven't been practicing that in their private life, then you could tell because they kind of get lost and they're just not quite sure what to do or how to lead in those public settings because they haven't been learning that in their own private life. And so I encourage you. It's one thing to believe that your people need to prioritize the presence of God. It's another thing to practice it, to practice his presence on your own, to make it a habit, make it a discipline in your daily life. All right, let's move on. Number three. You believe and preach the Great Commission, but do you live on mission? Let me say that again. That's so good. You believe and preach the Great Commission, but do you live on mission yourself? Let me ask you a few follow-up questions. How are you intentionally living on mission in your community? Who are the people in your contact list? Who are the people in your cell phone that don't yet know Jesus? You see, sometimes I get a little 
leery when I, I hear of leaders who have kind of isolated themselves in their own Christian echo chambers, their own Christian bubbles, and they never get outside of that, and they don't have any friends who don't know Jesus yet, or close contacts. And I'm not talking about just surface-level connections. I'm talking about deep friendships with people who don't know Christ yet. You see, I'm convinced one of the best ways for church leaders to start a movement of missional living in their people is to start living on mission first. And then start sharing some of the stories of how God is moving through that. Here's the truth I've learned in ministry over the past number of years. Your people will duplicate whatever you celebrate. Whatever gets celebrated gets duplicated. So if you want your people to live on mission, then you need to start celebrating that publicly in front of them. Like Talk about it. Share the stories from your own personal life and how you're living it out and how you're living on mission. People need to hear how their leader is living on mission in their community, in their everyday life. Again, this is an area where I think we've become so good at telling people to do the very things we're not doing ourselves. You need to lead the way, leader. You need to model something. You need to show them the way. Give them something worth imitating, especially when it relates to living on mission. Uh, I remember when I was pastoring in the local church, I would have people, people I had built relationships with in the community, whether through hockey or even our neighbors and from time to time, they'd just show up and God was doing a work in their lives. Sometimes they'd show up unannounced to church because they saw something different in me or my wife. And, and and they'd just show up. And I remember I would share these stories as much as I could without, you know, um, without diminishing uh, the confidentiality of, of this person or or making it look like this was my project. I actually were deep friends with these people, and that was of utmost importance to me. And so I was very careful in how I shared the stories, but I would I would weekly share stories of what God was doing and how he was moving in these people's lives. And I'm telling you, it just it just began to take root in the people we were leading, and they started doing it themselves. And it was students at the time that we were leading, and our leaders, and they started doing it and building intentionally building relationships with people who didn't know Jesus yet and it just really started to spread and take off and that's when we really saw a lot of movement in our own ministry and so it's one thing to believe and preach the great commission but how are you living on mission leader so important that you're modeling something here for your people number four you recruit volunteers but do you retain volunteers You recruit volunteers, but do you retain volunteers? Now, this one really speaks to the culture you've created wherever you're leading and how you treat the people you serve. If you want to do more than just recruit, then you need to be willing to acknowledge the volunteers around you. Now, this needs to be done both privately, where you might say thank you or write a note of encouragement or send an email. Hey, thanks for how you... But also publicly, don't be afraid to point people out when you see what you're looking for, what you're going for being done. Publicly celebrate that. Again, the, the principle is true from the from the what we were talking about last. Whatever gets celebrated gets duplicated. If you want it to become the culture of your group and how people are serving and volunteering and start to celebrate the stories of the volunteers who are doing it well. Not only acknowledging them, you also need to care for them. 
And this, pro this one might be a little tougher for us as leaders, but you need to let them know that they themselves as individuals, as people are way more important than what they do for you. I have a friend who is a, a lead pastor and he does this so well. Uh, I've heard him speak about this and I, I know some of his volunteers and some of his leaders and I know how he will just call them up and the first thing out of his mouth is, hey, don't need anything from you. Just wanted to know how you're doing, how, how's your day going? Or he'll show up with a Starbucks in hand at their workplace and just, you know, bless them with a coffee or whatever. And it's what it's doing, it's really showing those volunteers that they're more than what they do. There's, they bring, there's way more value to who they are than what they do for the church or for him as a leader. And I've just always remembered that and tried to incorporate that in my own life and leadership. And these are all culture things. We were recently at a camp and I was a, a ministry guest at this camp. And uh, I remember walking away from that camp experience and just thinking to myself, reflecting on the week, just going, man, that really felt nice. There's something different about that camp, about the atmosphere. Just what is it? And I started to come up with words. It just felt nice. It felt like a family. It was inclusive. It was warm and inviting. I, I really felt like I mattered there. And, 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 you know, then you start to you start to prod and go a little, dig a little deeper and you start to realize this is built into even the staff there, which filters down through onto the very campgrounds of this place. And uh, it's a culture thing. It's built right into the staff. The staff matter. The staff have a voice. Like all of this, and it's all intentional. It doesn't just happen haphazardly. It's actually intentional efforts to build a culture of, of family there. And you could tell, we just left, my family left going, man, that was so, so refreshing. And, uh, and that's all about culture. And you can go back, one of, our, uh, in a, one of our first 10 episodes on this podcast was about building culture, shifting culture, and how to do that. So you can go back and listen to that particular episode if you want to learn more about that, about culture. All right, let's keep moving on here. Number five, you believe in the importance of a healthy rhythm, but are you living a life of healthy rhythm and margin yourself? Now, this one, I'll just say straight up, right off the top, this one may be a little tougher to discern how you're actually doing in this area. So you might need some outside help. This is probably going to be where it would be great, a great benefit to you to ask some of the people who are closest to you around you regarding this one and get some honest feedback. Uh, I talked about it a couple episodes. I think it was episode 50. I talked about one of the most powerful questions you can ask in, in terms of becoming self-aware and that's asking those closest to you, what's it like to be my blank? And then you fill in the blank, my son, my daughter, my parent, my sibling, my coworker, my employer, my employee. What's it like to be my blank? And then you could follow it up with this. Would you consider me to be someone who you'd identify as being fiercely present? Now, let me just say this about being fiercely present. I love that word fiercely. Um, I want to be fiercely present. I want to live my life in such a way that, that demonstrates that wherever I am, I'm fiercely present. Like you're really going to have to pry to get my attention away to what away from what I'm currently involved with, what I'm currently present to. I want to live that type of life. Now, that's not easy to do, especially in this digital age that we live. But let me say this. When your rhythm is healthy, it creates margin in your life. 
and healthy space to breathe. And when that is the case, it allows you to be fiercely present in the moment, to be all there. I think uh, it was Andy Stanley who coined the term, wherever you are, be all there. And I want to live that way, wherever I am, that I'm all there. Now, I, I said it a moment ago, this has been lost in the digital age we live in with technology in our pocket all the time, people always being able to get a hold of us. I was literally just talking with a leader the other day, and I counted four times, four times, where they had to respond to the person texting them. And I believe it was the same person. It wasn't like they got four different texts from four different people. It was a conversation they were having while they're talking to me. And every time they'd interrupt my conversation, oh, just hold on a second. And I would pause and stop what I'm saying and wait for them to come back. And it was just frustrating. I walked away from that going, God, help me never to be that type of leader who can't be fiercely present in the moment because my phone or the notifications buzzing in my pocket are more important than what's going on here in this physical time and space. I want to be all there. Now, I haven't mastered this, I'll confess, but I, wa- but I want to. I want to be someone who's considered to be fiercely present wherever I end up, whatever space I find myself in. You believe in the importance of healthy rhythm, but are you living a life of margin and healthy rhythm? And let me just say this. When you, when you have margin in your life, when you're in a healthy rhythm, then you actually are able, it frees you up to be fiercely present, not just to other people, but also to yourself. You know, you make time, you've got margin for silence and solitude to reflect on your day and also to moments. There are moments crafted, ingrained into each of our days and I believe moments that we often miss because we're just not present. We're always on to the next thing. Our minds are always on to what's next because we have this sickness called hurry. And I'm in the midst of of just finishing up a book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. I highly recommend it, but it's it's really opening my eyes to just how this is an actual disease in this day and age. And uh, I want to be healed of the sickness of hurry so that I can be fiercely present in the moments that are crafted and ingrained into my everyday living. Okay, number six, the final one, let's wrap this up, is this. You are found doing a lot, but do you empower a lot? You are found doing a lot, but do you empower a lot? You know, as leaders, we are busy people. Every leader I know is busy, 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 busy. We're doing a lot. We're Often we're, we're doing more than even we're leading. But the question is, are you the type of leader who easily gives power away or just tasks? See, this is where you distinguish between delegating and empowering because they are two completely different things. There's a big difference between delegating and empowering. Let me tell you the main difference is this. Delegating is giving away tasks where you assign work to somebody, where empowering is giving away power, where you assign power to someone to make decisions, where you assign responsibility. You see, empowerment is is way bigger than just delegating tasks, than just sharing the load. And there's an empowerment test I learned years ago, and it's this. This is how you know if you've actually empowered. And I've referenced this in, in previous podcast episodes, but I'm going to say it again here because it's fitting here. Here's the empowerment test. It's twofold. 
Can you as the leader be surprised by the person you've empowered? And can they fail? It's a twofold test. Can you be surprised and can they fail? Because if you can't be surprised, then that tells me that you have micromanaged enough and you have your hands still on it enough um, that, that you can't, you still know way too much and you haven't actually released it, released the responsibility and the power to the person you've supposedly uh, empowered. And the other thing is, is, do they have the power to fail? Because if they can't fail, then again, you're still hovering so much so that you're there to catch whatever may be dropped or fall or whatever the case may be. Um, now, there's, there's another thing I want to add to this today, and I'm stealing this from Craig Groeschel in his podcast. I think he, he kind of references this in the way, how far down, here's the question he says, how far down in the organization does the ability to say yes go? And uh, I'll add to that, say yes or no. Again, this has everything to do with empowerment. Does your organization, does the yes, how far down does it go? Because if the buck stops with you and everything funnels and siphons through you, then you haven't released any power to those around you. You still hold all the power. And you've actually bottlenecked your entire organization. And, and there's a ceiling, there's a lid on you and your leadership because you still hold all the power. That's just not healthy. And it really does stunt the growth of your entire organization. So can the people around you fail and can they surprise you? One of my favorite things when I was leading in the local church was when a, leader, a student of mine would walk up and they'd ask me, Hey, did you know that this was going to happen tonight? And I was able to, to honestly say, No, actually I didn't. Isn't this awesome though? And that's how I knew I would walk away from that conversation going, that's how I knew that I had actually empowered the leaders around me because I didn't know. I was just as surprised as the average person walking in. And I think that's a pretty awesome thing. Development and growth in the leaders around you happens when you decide that empowerment is not just a great leadership topic, not just something to speak about, to teach about, but it's something you do. It's something you model for the people around you. Because people will do what you do, not necessarily what you say. Okay, so that wraps up these six reflective questions. And I know I haven't covered everything under the leadership. These, again, are just from my musings, my reflections as I'm in the middle of, of camp season. And just some things I've been reflecting on in my driving or, or sitting and observing in silence and solitude. And, and so I just thought hey, I should share these. Maybe this would help somebody out there, a listener of our podcast. And so I thought I'd share it here. But I think, I think this will get you, although it's not an exhaustive list of questions, I think it'll get you thinking and started as it relates to whether you're actually leading from where you're living. Why is that important? Because no leader wants to look back over their life as a leader and realize that no one really ever followed them. See, despite your best efforts to invite people to imitate you, remember leadership is an invitation to imitation. So despite your efforts to invite people to imitate you, sadly, they only heard you but didn't see you model it. And so uh, I just encourage you today, you've got to model it. You've got to make sure you're leading from where you're already living instead of trying to live from what you're 
trying to lead and trying to teach people. Um, I just find it works way better that way. So I want to thank you for your time today. I know, again, that leaders are busy, and so giving up the last 30 minutes of your day to listen into this podcast just means so much to us. And if it's helped you, encouraged you, challenged you, go ahead and share it on your socials. Share it on social media. Leave a like, a review would really help spread the word of this leadership podcast and all that we put into this. I really do appreciate it. And I want to thank you for joining us for another episode on this matter of leadership. And I hope this helps equip you for leadership because, once again, your leadership really does matter. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Leadership Matters Podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast, why don't you take a moment and subscribe on iTunes to ensure you never miss another episode. Until next time, remember your leadership matters.